Hello, and welcome to Pastor George's Bible Study. Yes, so by God's grace, this evening, um, we just want to um, explore together and encourage our hearts with what happened at the cross. I know we are in the Easter season, but it's not... It's not about the one Easter day. season as it were. Huh? I got a thing in your life. No, um, I don't think they have anything like this. Yeah. Uh, Liam. Okay. For some reason, I can't mute it in two places. Okay. So, um, we want to explore what happened in and around the cross. And we know that it's not... Sorry, Liam, Liam and Janet, could you please mute yourselves, yeah? So that, you know, we will not be disturbed while studying the Word um, of God. If you mute yourselves there, is that okay, Liam and Janet? So that so, we will not be any background. For some reason, I can't even mute them Yeah, I don't know what's going on. Anyway, <laughs> um, so we want to explore together what happened in and around the cross. I know we are doing is Easter, but the question we should be asking ourselves and reflecting upon afresh is what happened around what happened at the cross. Um, there isn't so much. Um, it's only if the Lord will reveal to us what happened and the spiritual implication of what happened at the cross to our own lives. And how does that relate with our Christian work with God? How does that um, apply to our own individual respective um, devotion to the Lord Jesus. So we want to explore that a bit by God's grace. There's so much to talk about, but I'm trusting the Holy Spirit that as we just look at look at a few of the encounters and the stories, the of God, what we open up to our hearts and we'll be challenged afresh to be more devoted to this, our Savior. Now, first of all, can we just lay down some Biblical principles you know already. That the person we are talking about that died on the cross for you and me was not just, it was a man, yes, but it was God in human flesh. We were reflecting together with some other brethren in another church um, yesterday. We're looking at what happened with Jesus at the cross? And we and we read scriptures. We saw how the Bible mentioned in Matthew 27 that Jesus was um, harassed and blessed mustard in the midst of a garrison of soldiers. You know, when you read scripture, you'll be thinking that it was just one or two soldiers who, are, who were armed or maybe about five or six soldiers who were armed that 
were that were those were the ones that were torturing Jesus. If you look at Matthew 27, the Bible said he was put in the midst of a garrison of soldiers. They stripped him naked. That is our Lord Jesus. They, they made a crown of thorns and wedged the thorns on his head. <clears throat> his staff they were using to mock him, they used it to beat him. And in some other accounts, they will slap him, they will spit on him, and they will say, prophesy, who slapped you? This was what happened to our Lord Jesus. The physical, psychological humiliation that he passed through. And, you know, when you reflect on it afresh, the first question you'll be asking yourself is, it wasn't just a man they did this to. It was our Lord and Savior. It was God incarnate. God in his mercy subjected himself to this kind of treatment from people he created. What a glorious love he has towards us. Now, you know, even if you want to try and imagine it with your brain, if you made, you made a machine and you want to live in the world of that machine yourself, you would need to humble yourself. You know, we, we use this analogy that can in any of you go and live in the world of ants for 24 hours. That you will reduce yourself to an ant and you go and live in their world. For 24 hours, a human being like yourself, with all your mental faculties, with all, with the level of intellect you have, and all your awareness about life, you 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 remove that human nature, and then you reduce yourself to an ant, and you now go and live in their midst for 24 hours. Do you know how much humility the Lord humbled Himself? To bring himself to the level of man to come and live in our midst. He, 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 honestly, we can't imagine it, but the Lord did it. And he did this so that me and you can have salvation. He did this so that me and you can enter into the kingdom of light. It is a great, it's a great sacrifice, beloved brethren. And I'm praying that we will forever and continually in the, as long as God gives us breath, we will keep reflecting, not just because it's Easter, but we will forever be grateful for what the Lord Jesus did for you and me on that cross. Now, can we read scriptures? We are just going to read a few of them and we will discuss. I'm praying that the Holy Spirit we unfold his word afresh to our hearts. Now, let's, let's just look at a few of the accounts. Maybe we'll start with John chapter 19. John 19. Um, John chapter no, 19. I was, I was interested in your medical perspective. 
It's like a medical journals that have actually released. Uh, George, yes, there's, there's medical journals that release stuff to do with the crucifixion, like what the process. I I read that dome, but probably we'll just read this one first. Uh, yeah, I I had that uh, the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, I was just, I was just interested. Yeah, yeah. Probably uh, some we'll, other time. We'll, when we'll, we talk uh, about it, don't time. worry. Let's let's read these scriptures and then we'll expound on it. Okay, so um, John chapter 19. Let's read it from verse 1. Um, the Bible said, So Pilate took Jesus and scourged him. And the, the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put on him a purple robe. If you read the Matthew account, the Bible said they stripped him. They stripped our Lord Jesus. They removed his clothes and they gave him this purple robe in a, in a way to mock him. And they said, Hail, king of the Jews. And they struck him with their hands. In Matthew account, they said they spat on him. These are human beings. And Roman soldiers were very wicked. They were terrible soldiers. They would not see a prisoner and just let him be. This was what they were doing to Jesus. And the Bible said in verse 4, Pilate went out again and said to them, Behold, I am bringing him out to you so that you may know that so that you may know that I found I find no fault in him. In verse 4, then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said to them, Behold the man. Therefore, when the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out saying, Crucify him! Crucify him. Pilate said to them, you, you take him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to our law, he ought to die because he made himself the son of God. Therefore, when Pilate heard that saying, he was the more afraid and went into the praetorium and said to Jesus, Where are you from? Where are you from? And Jesus gave him no answer. Then Pilate said to him, Are you not speaking to me? Do you not know I have power to crucify you, I have power to release you? Hmm. Jesus answered, You could have no power at all against me unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, the one who delivered me to you has greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend. Whoever makes him, himself a king speaks against Caesar. When Pilate therefore heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement. But in Hebrew, um, Gabbatha. Now, it was the preparation day of Passover. And about the sixth hour, he said to the Jews, Behold your king. But they cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief 
chief priest answered, we have no king but Caesar. Then he delivered him to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus away. Please permit me to keep reading. And he, bearing his cross, went out to a place called the place of the skull, which is called in Hebrew, Golgotha, where they crucified him and two others. One, uh, two others with him, one on either side, and Jesus in the center. Now Pilate wrote a title <laughs> and put it on the cross, and the writing was Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Then many of the Jews read this title. But the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, in Greek, and in Latin. Therefore, the chief priest said of the Jews, said to Pilate, do not write the king of the Jews, but he said, I am king of the I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to each soldier a part and also the tunic. Now, let me let me stop there. Let's go to verse 28. After this, Jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel of full a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there and he, they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on an usop and put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. May the Lord, forever, may the Lord help us to forever cherish to forever appreciate, to, to forever live for our Lord Jesus, who went through this humiliation, both physically and spiritually, in a sense, for you and me to see the light of salvation. Now, can we, we are going to just look at it and um, explore. Let me just remind you of another scripture. Can we look at it in Isaiah? Isaiah 53. I know we know these scriptures, but there is nothing wrong. We read it again for our own edification and for us to be reminded of what the Lord Jesus did for you and me on that cross. Isaiah 53. We'll read it from verse um, 4. Can somebody just read it? Isaiah 53 from verse 4 down to verse 7. He has borne our griefs, sicknesses, weaknesses, and distresses, and carried our sorrows and pains of punishment. Yet we ignorantly considered him stricken, smitten, and afflicted by God as if with leprosy. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and iniquities. The chastisement needed to obtain peace and well-being for us was upon him, and with the stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. Mm. All, like, all we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, 
and the Lord has made to light upon him the guilt and iniquity of us. He was oppressed, yet when he was afflicted, he was submissive, submissive and not and opened not his mouth, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dove, so he opened not his mouth. Um the Lord took our transgressions upon himself. And we can see here, Isaiah prophesied into what will happen to our Lord and Savior. Now, going back to that um, John chapter 19, the Bible says that they took Jesus, finally took Jesus. Pilate took Jesus and scourged him. Um, the Bible said the soldiers twisted the crown of thorns and put it on his head. And, you know, we were trying to reflect on this, that imagine you going through this simulation from people that you created, from human beings that you you could if it was you that they were doing this to and you had ultimate power over people what would you do hmm? if it was you maybe you made you made a you made you made a um a group of drones and you humbled yourself to become a drone. And then when you got to their midst, they ganged up. Drones ganged up and said they were going to deal with you. Despite the fact that you made those drones. And then they were humiliating you. They were, they were insulting you. And they did all that. But you made the drones. What will you do? That's the question. Is it that... George. You said? I will call legions of angels to deal. You, you will just see, you know, I, I thank, you know, I've said this before on this Bible study platform. Thank God you are not God. Will you not just paralyze their eyes? All of them will just go blind. For the, the, for the next 20 years, they are all blind. All those soldiers. All of them just go blind now. You do you remember when they wanted to arrest? Um, Elisha, do you remember in the Old Testament they wanted to arrest Elisha? Soldiers came to arrest Elisha and he caused them to be blind, all of them. <laughs> that's Elisha, that's a human being. They wanted to arrest him and he made those soldiers blind. He had mercy on them, he even, he even led them to, to the king. The king was going to slaughter them. Elisha said, No, 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 don't, don't do this. They gave them food to eat. Can you imagine? That was Elisha, a human being. He gave them food to eat. And then they sent them back. And the Bible said, the soldiers did not raid Israel again during that period. So what are we saying? We are saying that Jesus, in his mercy, passed through this humiliation from human beings. He had ultimate power over. 
And like we read in Isaiah, the Bible said, he did not open his mouth to respond. He did not open his mouth to respond. He did not curse, curse those soldiers. He, he, gave, he gave Pilate audience. Look at what Pilate was saying. And I want us to reflect on it. The mm. Bible said in, in um, verse Pilate kept saying verse 4. He said, Behold, I am bringing him out to you. You, so that you may know that I find no fault in him. Our Jesus had no fault. Our Jesus was gracious. He was loving. He was kind. He had no fault. And the Bible said that even when Pilate kept insisting to the people that I find no fault in him, why should I crucify him? As usual, what did the people say in verse 6? The chief priests cried out, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And that is the world for you. The world, the, like they were, I was reading a news caption this morning. You know, somebody was saying, oh, despite all these Easter celebrations, the meaning of Easter doesn't make sense to anybody in the world. It's only to Christians. But that's the world. What do you expect the world to know or to have or the understanding they have? They don't have that understanding. And you can see here that the, the, the world shouted, crucify him, crucify him. And it's obvious that for us, that crucifixion, crucifixion was a path to victory. And so, beloved brethren, the first thing I want to ask is, when the world says crucify him, how does that impact on us? Let's discuss it. Remember in verse 5, the Bible said, Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and the Pilate said to them, behold this man, I don't find a fault in him. And then the chief priest and the officer shouted. They cried out, crucify him, crucify him. In, in part of understanding the process, there's a reason for the crown of thorns, which goes back to the first Adam. And that Jesus, in this context, is called the second Adam. Yes. There's, there's the second Adam. Yes. So Jesus is the spiritual Adam. We're made from dust in the form of the first Adam, but we will aspire to be the spiritual Adam, the second Adam. And so if you go back to the Garden of Eden, where <clears throat> you take the tree, and Adam and Eve, who you could say were two thieves who stole from the tree, whose actions brought a curse and thorns, and the ground was cursed because of their actions, wasn't it? And they were thrown out of the garden. Is that that's right, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So the second Adam had to undo what the first Adam did. So the second Adam hung on a tree between two, two thieves, 
he wore a crown of thorns that the crown that was initially from the first Adam. His blood redeemed the land, and after six hours, which is the he gave up his spirit. And so there's the circle. Jesus undid by his actions everything the first Adam did. That's why the thorns were so important, because of the curse. Does that make sense? It makes sense. So the people shout and crucify him. Well, the reason they did that was they couldn't crucify him themselves. They didn't have the power, did they? The Jews were not allowed to, to carry out the death sentence. And it wasn't all the Jews that crucified Jesus. The northern tribes weren't involved in this. It was only Judah and Benjamin that were crucifying Jesus. Okay. The southern so, tribes. Yes. So how does that now? How, how can we... What's the what's the relevance? Or oh, I'm just trying to draw out the spiritual application. Well, there is the, the trouble is this is a very if you look at John 19, where it says, and his tunic, the tunic was without seam when when they stripped him of his clothes. Now, why why would they write that? The reason being that in those days, they had garments they would tear when they were lamenting and in sorrow, and they would tear it down the seam and then cover themselves in dust and ashes. So the fact that Jesus' tunic was without seam means you couldn't tear it. So then you go to Joel 2.13 that says, no, you don't rend your garments, you rend your heart, and you do it in private, and you do it in secret. So the very fact that Jesus' tunic was in one piece goes back to Joel 2.13. In answer to your question, George, how do we proceed? We rend our hearts now. We cry mm. for the lost. Mm. We, we pray and we intercede and we, and we take whatever the world gives us because if they persecute me, they'll persecute you. That's mm. what he said. Mm. So we rend our hearts quietly yes. and we, we we use that time to call out yes nika want to say something um actually with our reading in john chapter 19 verses 30 for me george you know if the jew has uh, if the jews have re rejected jesus mm. and the uh, same us as well as uh, believers of him pointing people to Jesus, they would the world will reject us too. Mm. You know, there will come a time, you know, we are living in the end of days now, and probably we will not be crucified, uh, you know, physically, but it might be a different, you know, punishment we will have by pointing the world to Jesus. Yes. So, obviously, as I have mentioned, they rejected Jesus, the world rejected uh, him, and we will be rejected as well. That's why only remnant, only those that will endure to the end will going to mm -hmm. make it. Because even believers now, it says in the Bible that they will grow cold. Probably mm -hmm. at the end, you know, they will renounce their faith. And then that's why 
it will be just few who will mm. remain faithful to him. So that's why those remnants, they will be, you know, crucified as well or be punished. Mm. You know, thank you very much, Nika. You know, the world, you know, everything that was happening here was already prophesied. The Lord said it will happen. And again, for us to reflect as well, it's important to know that what was happening to Jesus here had a spiritual implication for our own lives. The people were shouting, crucify him. And the object of crucific crucifixion at that time was the cross. That was how criminals were punished. They were, it was not even a, a secret thing. It was done openly in disgrace and intimidation and, and every type of shame you can, you can have. That was what they did with the master. They put this mark of death on him. And the same call, they were shouting, crucify him. Meaning put him to death on the cross. That same call, Jesus passed through it for us. But also, beloved brethren, also, we too have been called to carry our cross. You know, the crucifixion was going to happen on the cross. That was the symbol of death. That crucifixion also applies to us because, you see, when Jesus was on that cross, you also died with him. We'll read it in Romans. That, that Jesus, when he died on the cross, we also we carried, we, we went with him on that cross and we died with him. Now, that, um, for us to have that in mind, that same crucifixion, that same physical humiliation of the cross applied to Jesus. And because we are his followers, also applies to us. But beloved brethren, it doesn't stop there. We died with him on the cross. And the Bible reminds us that because Jesus Christ arose, we too, we, we arose with him to live a life with him, to become alive in him. But you know the world was shouting here, crucify him, crucify him. Why was it that even later, I'm just making a, a slight analogy here. Why was it even later? The thief on the cross and the people that came to see Jesus die. There was something they said. And I want us to, to go there so that we can reflect on it as well. I think it's in, um, it's in Luke. Luke 23. The Bible said, Um, sorry, I'm just going there now. Luke 23. Yes. Can we look at, can we read 
from verse. This was Jesus on the cross. From verse 32. Luke 23. If you are there, start reading from verse 32, please. Can somebody in the Salido family read it for us? Luke 23 from verse 32. There were also two others criminals led with him to be put to death. Mm. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. And the people stood looking on. But even the rulers with them sneered, saying, He saved the others, let God let him save himself, if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. The sol- More? Yeah, yeah, please keep reading. The soldiers yeah. also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And an inscription was also written over his head in Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. Then one of the criminals who were hanging blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other one answering rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you're under the same condemnation? We'll stop there. So do you notice here, Jesus was on the cross. He was being crucified. And people were, were mocking him. Save yourself from the cross. If you are the son of God, you've saved other people. Save yourself from the cross. The, the, one of the criminals who was with Jesus, who was being crucified, was also mock, um, um, mocking Jesus. And I said, see, why if you are the Christ? Why, why you, why the Bible says, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. Now, do you know this issue of saving yourself from the cross? That call has not stopped. Because as Christians, beloved brethren, our call is in following Jesus, is to carry our cross daily. Carry the understanding of the death of Jesus. That you are you died with him, but you are also risen with him. But what was happening here was that we need to carry that understanding of our life now in Christ through the cross. We need to live it out every day. But here's the world: the world is making a call, the world is saying it and saying, Why are you carrying this symbol of death around? Why are you wanting to be like your master, Jesus? Save yourself from the cross. Save your life. Why don't you get ownership of your life? Why are you going down this way of death? But this way of death actually is the way of victory. But because the world doesn't understand it, the pull of the world, the call of the world, to say, save yourself from the cross, is getting stronger and stronger even in our generation. 
If Jesus had saved himself from the cross, beloved brethren, we are going to be of all men most miserable. Our faith will not be a faith at all. It will just be a fallacy. But that same that same call that the world is making, save yourself from the cross, the world is still making that call up, up till now. And the temptation is to detach yourself from the consciousness of what Jesus did for you on that cross. That consciousness and that appreciation that I am now alive in Christ, I need to carry that consciousness every day because so, of what happened on the cross. Galatians. The enemy, oh, hold Galatians. on, Matthew. The enemy is saying we should save ourselves from that cross. And I'm praying that we will not heed that call so that we will stay true to our Lord and Savior. Yes, Matthew. Galatians 2.20, where Paul considers himself crucified with Christ, as, as also we should. Yes. Which, which is a princip the, the principle, which, which is fine. It's fine. But going back to the conversation we've had earlier, we, we don't exist in isolation. How? Do we have this walk? How do we get encouraged? How do we get edified? How are the fruits of my walk displayed, your fruits and so on? How is this walk carried out? Because at the moment, it's really difficult to find that type of unity and uh, purpose. So... I think from what I was trying to say was that, you know, all what we are doing here is to encourage our hearts to walk the way Jesus walked. You see, okay. the symbol what, of the what cross... About, but the question is, George, I've not been difficult. This is a serious question. Yes. Right? What about tomorrow and Monday? and Tuesday? That's why we are discussing and this. Well, we do this on a Saturday. So yes. what, about, what about, and I'm not suggesting we do this every night, but what about yes. the other six days? Then how do we walk it's, in unity? Yes, it's by grabbing what we are learning now here and applying it tomorrow and not just forget about it and apply it on Monday. To who? And carry it again to on who, Tuesday. George? To who? Yes. Because we're still People. talking... And I say, yeah, which people? Yeah, so you relate with people, Roger. You have neighbors. Do you yes. have neighbors? Yes. Yeah. So if you have neighbors, when you discuss with them, what do you talk about? I'm talking about the church. Initially. It's not just the church this applies no, I, to. I, I understand it. It's the, the Great Commission. I understand it. But if we, we are no good if we're not encouraged, if we're not on top form, if we're not. Um, being the best we can be, and so on and so on. We need regular feeding. We need things to chew on. We need things to think about. It's important. Yes, yes. I agree with you, Roger. That's why we are meeting today. That's why we are meeting today. I told you last week, Saturday before the last, that the reason for this kind of meetings is to encourage us 
to go and do what Christ has asked us to do. Oh, it's great. I, as I said to you, I, it's great. I, yes. I, I think it's wonderful that these it's happening. It's the other six days. Yes, yeah, so we might not be able to meet tomorrow because of our peculiar situation. No, but, but it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that what we are learning today is of no use tomorrow because we are not doing this meeting tomorrow. Yes. You understand what I'm saying? And it's the same thing. And like we said, um, I think we mentioned it the upper Saturday, that nothing stops us from finding Christians locally to us and also encouraging in the things of God. Nothing stops us. Nothing stops me from picking up the call, my, my phone and calling a friend. And over a 30 minutes or 20 minutes discussion, I've encouraged him in the things of God. And he has encouraged me in the things of God. You understand? So all I'm just trying to say is that let us not um, give up on what we are going to, what we are to do, even on a micro level. Because you see, it's lovely, like you said, we are meeting like this. But remember, we, you have inf- um, associations and relationships that I'm not part of. Nika has people in Hemel. Um, um, my brother, um, Tony, is in St. Albans. He has people as well who he will be relating with. This is a forum for us to be encouraged so that we can bring that encouragement to a micro level to people who we don't have access to here on this platform. Both as believers, with believers and unbelievers as well. Anytime I see my neighbor, by God's grace, I've had opportunities to share the gospel with them, but I keep praying. I say, oh Lord, please, how can you how how can you help us? How can you reach out? How can you help me to keep reaching out to this, my neighbor? The prayers doesn't stop. Even in my place of work, I see people who, are, who say they are Christians, but they are not living the life of Christ. So what do we do? We are there to encourage them. In the place of work. Remember, we are not doing this Bible study work now. We are, we are, I'm working. That's my place of work. But you can, we can, by God's grace, bring Jesus there one-on-one as we relate with people. So in the midst of, you know, the, the despondency, as it were, mm. we are being encouraged through this forum to bring our work with God to a micro level, a smaller level, beyond this group here. And that's why we are there to just encourage ourselves. Sorry, Kevin. You and want to I think, um, yeah. Let me just add something. And I think the best way to uh, let people know about uh, Jesus we are carrying in our lives is that uh, he is evident in everything that we do in life. It is evident on how we make uh, even big or small decision, even through our word and everything, and especially, you know, at workplace, if uh, someone is stressed out, and then they will just, you know, swear, 
and and then they you will just know that um if a if a christian is a proper christian the way they they carry themselves their their manners their conduct their character it's just like you know it just completely uh reflect who jesus is in their lives because as you said uh george that uh other believers who knew jesus but they are not living a christ like uh, manner so mm-hmm. yes we will be there to encourage them and to be able to to encourage them is we should be the one that that carries all that christ-like characters as well because we have to uh, let them see the light and that light we are carrying is our lord jesus christ Hmm. Uh, can i just share something quickly i've been praying personally um i've been asking god for an open door to be able to talk to one of my senior colleagues at work now last sunday when we were in church we were we were moving chairs from one place to another and a chair fell on my foot and it was very painful <laughs> so i went back to work on monday i was limping and this my senior colleague told me and asked and said ah you're limping what happened i said oh a chair fell on my foot while at church we we're moving chairs and do you know what this my senior colleague said? He said, ah, that is what happens when you do the work of God. Do you know, immediately he said that, my ear just turned. Immediately. And I said, ah, Lord, is this not an open door? And before we know it, before you know it, I was already discussing with the person about the gospel of Jesus. And the person told me, don't worry, Akin, we will talk about this later. You know, all because of a conversation, a chair fell on my foot and I was limping. And the comment was passed. This is what happens when you do the work of God. I was shocked. I did not believe, you know, I never believed that that could come out of that doctor's mouth. But you see, I've been praying, asking God for an open door. I'm sharing that with us because, beloved brethren, the cross of Christ is not popular. It is a symbol of death. The message of the gospel itself is foolishness. But when Jesus told us, carry your cross daily, this is it. It is not something that everybody wants to see. It's not something that everybody wants to hear. But beloved brethren, the same humiliation, the same um, um, rejection Jesus faced, in some quarters we will face it. But the, the challenge to us, beloved brethren, is that that is our path to victory. That cross was what gave us victory. We cannot be ashamed of it. Yes, the world is ashamed of it. But Paul, remember what Paul said in Galatians chapter 6? He said, he will, boast, he will not boast in anything, but in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
that it was through the cross he has died to the world and the world has died to him. So, beloved brethren, if the world was telling Jesus, save yourself from the cross, just put aside this cross thing, we cannot afford to say to ourselves, we should save ourselves from the cross of Jesus. We can't. It was this cross that gave us victory. It was this cross that that made us die with Christ. And we didn't remain dead. By God's grace, we arose with him. It was this cross, Paul said, he cannot boast in anything else but the cross. Is This is our pathway to victory. Let us be encouraged and challenged afresh. In the midst of darkness, in the midst of despondency, it is still this same cross that brought you to salvation that is going to give us more and more victory. It's the cross. Um, we read the other day that if a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But when he dies, he brings forth much fruit. It is this death that is going to make me and you fruitful. It is this death of Christ that we acknowledge and we live in that is going to make me and you arise so that we can go and bear fruit for Jesus. It is this death. Jesus himself, it was his resurrection that brought forth life, but he had to die. The same thing applies to us. I'm only asking and praying that God will help me and help you to appropriate this death all the time. All the time. So that we can be more and more fruitful. Dom, you are smiling. No, I'm just, no, I'm just, no it's true, isn't it? It's true. In fact, yeah. No, his death does make us fruitful. Yeah. No, I, I'm also thinking of Pilgrim's Progress as well. Do you, do you know Pilgrim's Progress? Yes. George? Yes, yes. So in Pilgrim's Progress, you have, uh, is it Faithful and uh, Christian as they travel towards uh, Vanity Fair? Mm. And Faithful dies, but someone kind of replaces Faithful along his kind of step of the way. He kind of dies, but his fruit from that kind of from that kind of death. Hmm. So, yeah. uh, we, there, there was something I also saw when Jesus Christ was on his way to the to the to be crucified in Luke chapter twenty three. I was I was touched, and that touched my heart. I let me share it with you. I don't know what you guys think about it in Luke twenty three. Yes. Um, Modupe, can you read Luke 23 from verse 27? No, from verse 28. Luke 23, verse 20, 27 and 28. And a great multitude of the people followed him 
and women who were also mourned and lamented him. But Jesus turned to them and said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and your children. Hmm. Is that it? Yes. Beloved brethren, Jesus was going to the cross and people were weeping. Women were weeping after him. They were lamenting. And Jesus turned to them. Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. Ha! Don't weep for me. You know, I, I was wondering, but Lord, this is a very pitiable situation. They were weeping for you, but Jesus turned around and said, don't weep for me. Um, I don't know if it has happened to you. You know, some of us, when we gave our lives to Jesus, somebody, I remember somebody mentioning to me in, in my school then. He said, ah, you're not a Christian. Are you not going to subject yourself to suffering? <laughs> Isn't that a humiliation? You're not a Christian. You know, you, you people will look down on you. I know somebody who, when he gave his life to Christ, he was sharing with us. The mother started crying. And they were asking her, why are you crying? He said, my son will now be useless. He will now be a non-entity. Because he's now following Jesus. And you can almost mirror that situation. Because Jesus was going to the cross. The women were crying for Jesus. They were saying, oh, ah, Jesus, this is terrible. This is bad. You are going to face this terrible death. But Jesus turned and said, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves. Isn't Jesus telling us as well that, in fact, what the Lord is indirectly saying is, don't allow people to look down on your faith. Actually, you're going and carrying the cross is victory for you. Those people who do not have the cross, who are not carrying the cross, actually, they are they should weep for themselves. They have not seen the pathway to salvation. They have not seen the pathway to eternal life. Should they not cry for themselves? That is the irony of the issue. Why should I feel bad that I'm following Jesus? When I have embraced the kingdom of light, why should somebody cry for me when I'm going to heaven? Beloved brethren, when there is no salvation, should people not cry and say, ah, I have lost it? You know, as I read this, it encouraged my heart again that carrying the cross, carrying my cross daily and following Jesus it's not a it's not it's not a humiliation in that sense. It's actually victory. You see, the enemy did not know this. The devil did not understand the mystery of the cross. If he understood it, that Jesus going to the cross was going to deal him a terrible blow, and it was going to lead lead a lot of people to salvation. He would not, he would not have 
crucify the Lord of glory. It will not be part of it. And you see it in scriptures consistently of how God walked through death to bring forth victory. Jesus on the cross prayed that prayer when they were crucifying him. Lord, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Wonderful. Look at the thief on the cross. This, the thief on the cross, there were two of them. Do you remember? One of them was mocking Jesus. Looking down on Jesus. And then the other one. Hold, ah, it's, it's wonderful. Even at the point of death, Jesus is teaching us. It is not too late. That other thief at the point of death was telling Jesus, Lord, remember me. Don't forget me. Lord, I have lived a terrible life and I'm in my last few hours now. Lord, remember me. And excuse me, did the Lord Jesus not remember him? Jesus told him, today, today, you are going with me. Wonderful. That is what that is what it means to follow Jesus. That is what it means to be with him. Jesus was on the cross, and here was this man who was dying a useless death. But he met Jesus at the very last minute. Should we not be encouraged as we discuss with people, as we share with people, when they think things are very bad, encourage them and tell them it's not too late. I remember talking to somebody some time ago and the person said, there is no way God will forgive me. I have done terrible things. I, I, you know what I told the person? I said, that is why Jesus came. He came so that you can receive forgiveness. That is why he came. No matter how terrible what you, you've done is, that is the reason why Jesus wants you to come to him. And we saw how that thief finally received a great blessing at the very last minute. Beloved brethren, like Jesus said here, don't wait for me. This should just encourage our hearts to be more attentive, to be more urgent with the gospel message. A lot of people are going to a Christless eternity. Let us not be let us not be complacent. Let's sow the seed so that they too, in God in His mercy, can water that seed, and those people can come to glory. You know, I'm sure we wish all the time that people will come to the saving knowledge of Jesus, but God is saying, who is going to sow the seed? As a farmer, you you can you don't just go to your farm and say, "How I wish I will have a bountiful harvest of wheat this year." And if you do not sow, wheat will not come. Wheat will not grow on your land. So God also wants me and you to sow. God wants us to use this reflection to be more urgent about the gospel message. You don't have to be a theologian. To share the gospel message. You don't have to go to even Bible school. You remember, I don't know the Bible school Peter went to. 
I don't know which Bible school he went. The only Bible school I know was that they were with Jesus. Are you not qualified as well? Because you have been with Jesus to also share this seed. So the gospel message. I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will help us. That we will reflect and we keep reflecting. Jesus dying for you and me on that cross. And like Martin reminded us, I have been crucified with Jesus. Yet, not I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. May the Holy Spirit help us to be challenged afresh that what marks us out is that we have been crucified with Jesus. The cross is our badge, actually. It's our mark. And what we must live through to that mark. The mark of being dead with Christ, but arisen with him in new life. May that be your, your, your goal in life. May you be encouraged by that, even this evening. Come and join Pastor George's Bible Study at 8 p.m. 